Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan. Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. Why did Chris Jericho lose his AEW World title? I'm Ollie Davis. This is Luke Owen. Welcome to the Wrestle Talk Podcast Review Edition of AEW Revolution. First off, just a little bit of news. If you're wondering why Chris Jericho might have lost his AEW World Championship to John Moxley in the main event of the show. Certainly caught me by surprise. Yeah, I, we both had Jericho down to win. I think most of the people in the office had him down to retain here. I, I think we all thought he was going to go until All Out 2 as the champion. 182-day reign. Inaugural champion. Previously, the youngest ever world champion. Oh, he can't say that he's anymore. He's no longer. It's John Moxley now. And it is... Well, one one speculated possible reason is he's going on tour soon with Fozzie. There's a Fozzie tour coming up. Interestingly, though, he's not working any Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. So, you know, AEW doesn't have a house show schedule. It's not like he has to be around all the time like he would be in WWE. But it's actually the overseas tour, so the international tour in the summer, that will that hasn't actually been advertised yet. But when it starts to get advertised, that will essentially give away the game. Yeah. And you know what? It was funny because I felt like it was the right time to do it. Yeah, it caught me by surprise too. Yeah. I I was surprised by how okay I was. Yeah, like when the match started, well, before the match started, Moxie was making his entrance. And they had like that big video package beforehand. I suddenly Mm. thought to myself, like, you know what? I had Jericho down to win, but... It actually makes so much sense for Moxley to win here, and actually it would be storyline perfect for him to yeah. win it here. Mm-hmm. I, but still, I kind of talked myself out of it. I still thought Jericho might win, but I, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised then when Mox did the big eye patch reveal uh, and hit the paradigm shift. Yeah, and that was such a good... And that's what the whole feud was based on, this biblical tale of an eye for an eye yep. revenge. And to... To, to have the inner circle all come down as well. Uh, Ortiz and Santana were down there the entire time. Jake Hager, who had a show earlier on in the night against Dustin, he came down later on, clocked Moxley yeah. with a right hook. You're like, oh, the inner circle. Urgh. And then when Aubrey Edwards does the most extravagant send to the back uh, to get rid of those three members, their backs turned. In runs Sammy Guevara. That little dick. That little Spanish niño <laughs> comes in with the AEW title, clocks Moxley. Jer- it was weird because when the ref- when Aubrey had her back to them both, I saw Jericho's eye kind of open, mm. and he was like doing this, and I thought. That's sloppy work on Jericho's behalf. He shouldn't be figuring out where everyone is. He's meant to be... And then Sammy... (laughs) It makes total sense for the character because he's got this dastardly plan. Yeah. Brilliant. He knew. He planned for every eventuality. Uh, And then Jericho... uh, Well, he never hit the Judas elbow. Still a a, a ridiculously protected move. Very protected. Ridiculously in... It's been protected a lot and maybe it doesn't need to be. And he... Moxley... He blinds the other eye of Moxley. Yes, yeah, yeah. And does like a knee drop to the exposed eye. And so he, he Jericho thought, and now I've blinded him in both eyes. 
And when he goes for that Judas effect, Moxley ducks it because like the commentary did a really good job being like, he's not going to see this coming. And he ducks it and is like, he did know. And he hit the paradigm shift and did this big whole like eye patch reveal. <laughs> and they're like, it was a ruse. He could have seen this whole time, like in this match. And he throws it down, it's the big wide eyes, and it's this big time paradigm shift to pick up the win. It was a really, really cool finish. Yeah, it was a death rider. And it's, it's like, it was so good. All the matches on this on this card, all of them had really nice finishes. And yeah. this, it's, it, it harkens back to that 80s era and that really logical, a lot of thoughts put into everything, tiny details. And that's what makes the viewing experience as a fan so rewarding. Yeah. And yeah, when he takes off that eye that uh that eye patch, I did get it wasn't I still think the WCW angle was far better. But I got feels of Bret Hart revealing the yeah. the metal corset that he wore to protect himself against Goldberg's spear. Yeah. It was re- I thought it was a really, really and actually it was a really really good match as well. I mm. thought that both guys did a, a phenomenal <laughs> job throughout. And yeah, I was then like pleasantly surprised that we got a title change. And I, I think it was the totally the right time to take the belt off of Jericho and put it onto Moxley. Very, very happy with that decision. Um, I'm excited to see where they go next, yeah. really, with this. And you know, who Moxley's going to be feuding with after this, whether they. Because Jericho, you've got to think, is going to be like wanting to get his title back because he's Le Champion. You know, I think he's going to be gunning to win that belt back. Well, I think the inner circle are earmarked for that blood and guts match. Well, they didn't call it a blood and guts match. The show is called Blood and Guts. I think it's called Blood. Tony Khan said it's called Blood. What, the show or the the match? I'm pretty sure. It's called a blood match. Yeah. (laughs) What? Tony Khan War Games. Did I read this? Uh, Tony Khan confirms the name of their War Games themed match as... I'm so curious. As... AW Blood and Guts. I thought they were calling it the match beyond. Because that was what like Cody said. It's called Blood and Guts. But the match is actually called Blood and Guts. Yeah. That's a terrible name. That's a uh, a really crap name for a match. But is it though? (laughs) It is a because (laughs) but it's the direct reply to Vince McMahon's comments. So calling the show Blood and Guts, I think is not great, but it's fine. To call it a blood and guts match, I think is a bit crap. Especially because it implies you're going to get both. And <laughs> AEW have definitely proved that they can do blood. There's blood everywhere. Yeah, on these oh, shows. isn't it just? And it's, oh, actually, I really like it. I like it too. Uh, the, the horrible people that we are. But it also implies I'm going to see some intestines. Yeah. I don't want metaphorical guts. I don't want a show of moral strength and fortitude. I want literal <laughs> stomachs being opened. On a cage, in a cage. Yeah, I think uh, the match beyond would have been uh, for me personally. Yes. Uh, would have been my preferred name, but it's uh, that's that's just a personal preference. It's a testament to AEW's booking and how they've positioned everyone and really taken time to listen to who's over, who's got momentum. That you're right. I I could not have seen this coming. And to be honest, I I think Jericho should have held the title longer. But this works so well. Yeah. And it was when Moxie was cutting his promo afterwards. The rambly, rambly Moxley promo. <laughs> half concussed, apparently. Oh, really? He said in an interview. He, when he was pushed into the ring post, yeah. he decided to just do a shoot. <laughs> and he headbutted the ring post as hard as he could, he said. <laughs> this was in the post match uh, interview. Oh, and that's dear. where he started to bleed. Yeah. And me and I was going to say, yeah. Me and Andy were watching this live, and we're like, there's no way that's real blood. Like, the way it's all underneath the eye patch, how much of it there is. It got cleared up at one point, then Aubrey tended to it, and there was more. Like, slipping. But no, (laughs) it was the eyebrow that was covered up, busted on the ring post. So, anyway, he half concussed himself. And after the match, uh, Jericho disappears really quickly. He's a veteran. He knows this is Mox's moment. And Moxie cuts this, you know... (laughs) Let's be honest. It was a terrible promo. It really was. Because he said he had he had a lot of stuff to say, but he could only remember one thing, and that this title was for you fans. Yeah, exactly. He was just like, I love this S word. Uh, this win belongs to you all. Like, the company may belong to people, but this title means to you. And then he just stopped, looked up the ramp for ages. Someone in the production crowd thought, oh, he's done. 
play the music. And then he started talking, he went, what the F? Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, what, what, what the F? And then he just, he didn't even have anything else to say. He just went, yeah, well, I'm out of stuff. It's well, beer yeah, o'clock. Beer o'clock, which I've already said once, but hey, let's have that drink. And you know what? I, it's, maybe it's because the era I came up in, I, the Attitude Era, WWE, I am used to shows finishing on an angle or the end of a match. Yeah. Uh, New Japan has come late in my life, but that is a tradition of Japan. The champion, usually a babyface champion, has their match. It goes 45 to three hours. Yeah. And then they cut a pretty long 15-minute promo thanking everyone for coming out. Yeah. And, but it's in Japanese. But this was... I really got some feels from this. Yeah, and uh, the, the Western fan in me was fully expecting it to be an angle. To be like, oh, they wouldn't have given him a, a mic to cut this promo without there being yeah. a debut or, or, you know, or something along these lines. Someone's going to come down and attack him. But no, this was just a lovely way to end the show where he's like, hey, you guys are all wonderful. I love you all. Um, should we go and have uh, a beer now and have some fun? And I was like, wicked. Love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I do, actually. Yeah, I really do, mate. And that is, and NXT have done it superbly in their first few years of existence. If you keep doing that, when an angle does happen at the end of a show and you're only running four shows a year, it is going to feel enormous. Yeah. Just like how the uh, little trademark logo used to mean something. But now I just know we've got twen 10 minutes left. <laughs> 10 minutes left. Anyway, re yeah, really good match overall. Surprising but totally effective finish. Mm -hmm. And just, just an all-round home run of a sec, like a, a match and complete Absolutely, bit. yeah, yeah. Really, really like the work that the both of them are doing. I also particularly uh, want to shout out uh, to Ortiz on the outside, who was particularly great throughout the match, <laughs> because whenever Jericho would hit Moxie on the outside, Ortiz would just be over him going, ha, 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 yeah, yeah. just laughing at him in this really crazy fashion. It was really, really good. And th th this humble pie tastes delicious, because I said when the Inner Circle first formed on that first episode of Dynamite, I just don't see it. <laughs> well, why are you just chucking them together like that? Now, mm. prove mm. me wrong more. <laughs> mm, I love it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Uh, Gazzatola of Rock and Roller, hashtag fantasy booking, AEW mid-card belt in a battle royal at Double or Nothing. Cassidy lasers his way to his first ever win. Stip means no one gets pinned. Fans go ape S-word. He loses it to Sammy after a short run for mega heat. 
I like it. I, uh, Sammy. As Sammy Guevara. Oh, right, Sammy. I just think Zane now. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, it, I like the way that we've structured today's episode because that means we will end on Orange Cassidy Pack. <laughs> <laughs> the true main event of this show. It really was. One of <laughs> you know, there's so, so yeah, many yeah. matches in history. Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Rock Hogan, they should have been the main yeah. event. Yeah. And in retrospect, I think that's the one mistake AEW have made. <laughs> Uh, well, Pavi, Andy Adams, Cage said uh, Jericho is going on tour with Fozzy. Uh, who do you think John Moxley's feud will be with? His interview after Revolution, he called out Cody. Yes, yeah. So that's interesting. Of course, Cody can't challenge for the belt uh, based on his own like for stipulation, and neither should he. Mm-hmm. But I, I do, and I don't think they will. I think that would be a mistake. But for Mox's character. It's good that he said that, yeah, because that does endear you to a more babyface morality. I would like to <coughs> see him feud with someone who does not have ties to WWE. Mm. I'm not gonna. I'm not one of these people that thinks that like, oh, it's just a WWE redo because it's not. No one ever says, oh, Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. That's just Ring of Honor. It's just someone from Ring of Honor. Um, I, I, but I would like to see it be someone who is like a a homegrown guy, just to kind of like, you know, m- remove yourself away from those detractors. It's bad optics. Yeah. Mm. yeah, like even if the sentiment isn't correct, there's only so many ex-WWE guys who can yeah. come in and win stuff. I, I mean, it's difficult uh, because I want it to be Kenny Omega. I think that's a perfect story. Double or nothing last year. That's their next big pay-per-view this year m- around May time. That was when Moxley debuted and attacked uh, attacked uh, Omega, Omega in the Jericho match. Yeah. So those three guys, that's, that's quite a neat wrap-up. Oh, but I just thought of the better way to do it. Oh, yeah? Hangman Page gets the shot. Well, I was going to say, you could do it as Omega, and then that just furthers Page's disgruntlement that he's been overlooked and Page hasn't got his focus on the tag tag title match, which actually was something I really enjoyed being played into the tag match. But we'll get on to that very, very shortly. Uh, Samad Ali uh, said, hey guys, just an update. I'm still recovering from that amazing tag title match. (laughs) I've watched it four times now. It was awesome. Fire emoji, thumbs up emoji. And every time I watch, I haven't watched it four times, but every time I watch it and think about it, I've got a new favourite bit. And there's a, there's a whole section that I've forgotten about or yeah. didn't pick up on on the first time. Such a detailed match. Wrestling Combat Club sends dance, Ollie. Justice for Chopper. Justice for Chopper? But he loves to dance. Uh, Robert Berberwitz. I'm so sorry I said that wrong. Um, was at the show. Such a memorable experience. Amazing matches and amazing atmosphere. Will be a night I will never forget. Still seems so surreal. On a side note, love you all. Keep it Aww, up. Ah, love you too. Thanks, mate. And lastly, for now, Nathan Jones. As someone who has bladed in a match, I cocked up and did a dust in the first time and had 16 stitches. Just a trickle since. No, I'm not that Nathan Jones. He's not the, uh, the Undertaker protege. <laughs> This bad boy right behind us, the Battle of Brit... Bris- Try again. The Battle of Brit Rest Fest. Nope, just the Battle of Brit Rest. You know, that's, that's what it's called. That's what the show is called. We're putting on a wrestling show, not starting a wrestling promotion, and it's going to be uh, in Great Portland Street on Monday, in March... London. In London. Monday, March 16th. We're so, so, so excited about this. We're working with a lot of really great independent British wrestling companies. We're putting on some fantastic matches. Come down and check those out. But also, we're doing a live podcast record as well, which is going to be extra exciting. Uh, we're really, really stoked to, to do that. We've had some amazing matches announced thus far. We're announcing another match at 5 p.m. today. Yeah, I think that's the final... Or is the final one on Friday? I think the final one's coming yeah, on Friday. Yeah, yeah. Well, really, we're really excited about all of them, uh, and we'll be at the bar throughout the show. Oh, yeah, so you can come and hang out with us for and our own beer o'clock. Yeah, and uh, we're all doing. Yeah, me, Luke, Laurie, Pete, Adam. We'll all be up on stage doing a, a live wrestle talk podcast, and possibly you could be involved. <gasps> you could get on stage with us. Yeah. Uh, right. So the actual. Oh yeah. So go over to wrestletalklive.com for tickets. What's the show called? Stage. Battle of Brit Rest. There it is. Because it's British wrestling, and they're all well. They're not battling each other, but because they're individual promotion matches. But still.
Oh, yeah, what's your what's your thing? I don't know why for? I just thought I did a step, but I've I've reached ten thousand steps today. <laughs> I just heard this loud buzzing, and I was like, who's left their phone on in here? It's not, it's Ollie's wrist is uh, buzzing maniacally. It's that wanker I had earlier. <laughs> uh, to, to, to the tag match. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> uh, right, the pre-show match was Dark Order beating SCU. Really good opener. Uh, went about 10 minutes. Yeah, and you, you haven't seen this I, one. This is the, the one match I've not seen yet. I was going to watch it on my lunch break. I ended up watching the WrestleTalk News instead. Mm, nice. uh, great, great episode. Yeah, it, and it really was. So well done to you. Uh, but I, I saw the thumbnail with Colt Cabana um, mm. with Essie, and I was like, oh, that's quite lovely, actually. I really wish I'd watched that. Yeah, because it was in Chicago. Really good match. Drew Grayson is amazing. SCU are you know very talented. Feels like they've fallen so far, though. Yeah, they're really. Uh, but you know, this is. For me, this is the level they should have always been booked at, not as the champions, when you've got a division that includes the Bucks and the Lucha Bros that should have been Pentagon, etc. But they they all worked really well here, uh, it broke down, and it was the Creepers distracting the referee, I think, I can't remember the exact finish, but it was nefarious. Mm-hmm. And the Dark Order picked up the win, and of course, Dark Order start beating up SCU. Christopher Daniels isn't there, by the way, and who should run out but boom, boom, got Cabana, <laughs> and Cabana runs down. It's in Chicago, his home, his beloved hometown, and they love him back. No, Illinois is the state. Sorry, I do apologise. And he runs down, and he beats them off a little bit, but then the numbers overcome him, and a hooded figure walks onto the ramp. Oh, a hooded, the possible reveal of the exalted yeah. one. Yeah, and what I, I mean, I didn't notice this at the time, but Dave Meltzer has, has said this in his review, that he really appreciated that the Dark Order knew it wasn't their leader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because like the Dark Order just sit there like, well, who's this guy? Not, that's, he, that's not him. <laughs> he doesn't wear that kind of robe. Yeah. And it, rev- it is, it's, it's Christopher Daniels. He runs in, just does this bullet dive onto everyone and they clear house. So I think that, I think that draws a line under it. It's not Christopher Daniels as the exalted one. one big ruse, mate. Oh, I mean, yeah, we're, we're certainly looking at, uh, at Matt Hardy at this point, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's so overdone. It just makes me that, think it's not going to happen. Which is why on, on well, Thursday's review, yeah. I was like, they've, they're almost pointing at it too much that it can't be him at this point. Um, Colt Cabana is signed. He might do a few... Really? Yep, yep. He might do a few wrestling bits here and there, oh, which I fun. really hope he would because a Colt Cabana-Orange Cassidy match. I, and actually, there is a... You can find it on YouTube. There is a great match between the two of those mm. where one of the big spots is about not trying to spill a beer. <laughs> and Orange Cassidy walks the ropes while holding this beer. Yeah. It is. It's tremendous stuff. Cabana deserves every great thing that happens to really him. Does. And as fantastic as he was at Ring of Honor, and he was a very good commentator there, and he would occasionally get involved in programs, this has given him a much bigger platform where hopefully he can show to everyone just like how Freaking talented he is. I mean, everyone knows that, but I, I feel like we don't get enough chance to see it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really excited that he's there. He's going to be working mostly as a backstage producer kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lord knows they don't need another commentator. They've got <laughs> like all the best commentators in the world, including Taz, who was on commentary for this pre-show. Uh, we got the JR entrance. Oh, is it? <laughs> boomer sooner or whatever it is. I can't hear that song though. Like back in. The early 2000s, I think, someone did a remix of that, and it was called JR's My Ass. <laughs> I've heard this. And it was like, barbecue sauce on my ass. <laughs> uh, Very good. Check that out on YouTube. Just one more thing before we dive into the main show. All the fans had these fantastic wristbands on, like a Coldplay concert. Because I saw like all these various different lights. I thought it was just a lighting rig that Mm. was sort of like either up up top or down below or something. I didn't realise it was people wearing wristbands. So you get these sometimes at live events now, mostly at uh, basic Coldplay concerts, because they interact with the boring songs that they play, apart from the first two albums, which are fantastic. Mm. Come Mm. on, man. No, 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 you were right the first time when you said boring songs. (laughs) And when I saw those, first of all, it's a really interesting lighting effect. And you don't really notice them when they're just still, just Mm. one light on, even if there are a variety of colours. But during an entrance or a finish, your computer seems to be restarting. It's not restarting, it's okay. or a, a match finish, they go crazy. And it's just, it feels like another form of pyro is happening yeah. in the crowd. Really, really nice. But as soon as I saw them, I thought, the Exalted Ones debuting tonight. 
Oh, nice, okay. Uh, imagine that, like yeah. all the lights go off mm. and then everyone's wristbands go red or something. Yeah. Like little mini howls on your hands. That's how cool. Hands. Yeah, how hands. Well, yeah, I. if that's not a one-off thing that they just did because the arena was like, hey, we've got this toy, want to try it out? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Th that's the way you do it. You introduce it now, mm. so in a couple of shows' time, boom. Yeah. Like, like you're... Uh, Watched it. Yes, yeah, everyone can have done 10,000 steps. I haven't done 10,000 steps today. Uh, the main card started with Dustin Rhodes versus Jake Hager and just a really fun brawl. Do you know what Dustin is? I mean, he's amazing, mm. but he is, he's got an incredible knack of making someone look amazing. Mm. Like that, this was the perfect person for Hager to have his first AEW match with. Because as Dustin can, he's such an, he's, a wicked talent to make someone look awesome, and he made Hager look awesome in this match. This was a very, very good pay-per-view opener. Yeah, yeah, really, really effective. It had a lot of uh, intensity around it just from the start. Jake Hager was budget Brock Lesnar. <laughs> uh, he's got his MMA gear on, and he, it does bring a presence to it. Yeah. And it. He really wrestled and felt like a completely different person. Yeah, it was really, really good. Also. New character alert. Mm. His wife was at ringside that he made out with quite graphically uh, at the start of this match and then would constantly go back to throughout the match to a point where Dustin even got involved and laid a little smooch on her. Yeah, and sexually assaulted yeah, her. And sexually assaulted Baby her. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I did write in my notes. I was like, <laughs> he smooched her without her consent? <laughs> yeah, it's weird because when I watched it, I was like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Boo heels, gold dust's really cool. And it wasn't until like a day later when I was listening, like reading up and seeing what other people thought. And that kept on coming. I thought, that didn't even enter my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, Hegel won with what I, it's disappointing as well because he had the, the ankle lock in and he hit the, 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 what, the swagger bomb, the sort of, um, yeah, a big uh, bomb that he used to do. Uh, and he did like the Vader bomb and he had the ankle lock in. And those all got pops. But when he locked in his head and arm choke, which is his new finish, it got no reaction mm. whatsoever because I don't think, I don't think anyone in the history of time has ever bought that as a good finish. Apparently it's a legit MMA hold, but I'm very, very effective. I'm sure it is. I agree with you, though. People, it doesn't look good. People said this about the Judas Effect elbow. People was like, yeah, in a real fight, that's very effective. I'm like, yeah, cool, but it's pro wrestling. <laughs> pro wrestling sometimes is about that flash. Yeah. And when it doesn't have that flash about it, it does look boring, and it doesn't work as a visual thing. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I, do, I agree, especially for Jake Hager's character. Like, that sort of, it looks like it, it looks too intimate. But so a character like a Bray Wyatt could do it very well, I mm. think. It's like you're nursing someone to sleep. It's quite sinister. But Jake's meant to be this badass MMA guy. Well, the lad, he's Dexter Loomis in, in NXT now, but he used to be a Dexter character in TNA. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it might have been Impact Wrestling at that point. But he was basically Dexter. Yeah. And that was his finish as well, because his whole thing was like, like Dexter, I'm just going to put you to sleep yeah. now before I do a murder on you. Um, so like, it works because he's an MMA character. It doesn't work in the visual medium of wrestling, though. Yeah, it just had the ankle lock. Uh, but yes, this was this was just a very good match. Hager won over uh, at the end, went about 14 minutes, I want to say. Really good opener. Uh, kept up the intensity all the way through. And I, I, yeah, I was, I'm into this feud, and they over-delivered, I thought, in 2020 for, yeah. for both guys. Uh, and then we got the Blood and Guts announcement, which is essentially War Games. Yeah. And then... We get Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen. I was so excited for this match, and it bloody delivered in spade. This was great. I was like, this is amazing. So what happens? Allen has a, a really cool opening. I said on the last Thursday's episode, I just don't get Darby Allen. You know, I, I, I see that everyone's into him, uh, and I do like his wrestling, but you know, just doesn't connect with me the way he is everyone else. Freaking, he does now. <laughs> he has this cool short film at the start, backflips onto a skateboard, and then he just comes down to the ring. Sammy's on the outside, and he just, before the bell even rings, just sprints across the ring and missiles himself onto Sammy. Yeah, it was absolutely nuts. It was interesting, Jurassic Express were at ringside for this match mm. as well, but it never played into anything. It was just like the boys wanted to come down and watch this match that they're excited about. Again, I like it. Yeah, it's just nice setting touch. up yeah. many red herrings 
and eventually you pay one of those off. Plus, I think there is a reason. I can see Jurassic Express. They've got beef with the inner circle. Mm -hmm. Sammy's in the inner circle. Darby feels like the sort of guy that could join them. You know, a potential friend against an enemy. Okay, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I like that. Um, there was a, a moment when Darby had Sammy over the barricades and then went to go do this big dive on him, but caught his foot on the ropes and essentially just headbutted. Sammy, but it did not look pretty. I thought that's what he was going for. Yeah. He's such a lunatic. <laughs> Andy was like, no, that was a botch. And I said, no, he just headbutted him. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, no, it was a botch. Yeah, I thought it was what he intended to do first, but then the commentators did a very good job of being like, no, I mean, you, you mm. take these mm. risks. Like, it's, it's called a suicide dive for a reason. Uh, Sammy throws a skateboard at Darby's head. Uh, Sammy's working injured, by the way. He's got like a broken foot. And he did that 6.30. So, like from the top rope to the floor through a table. Yeah. The lunatic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was the next uh, spot. And at that point, I was like, has this match started? Yeah, right. Why isn't the referee. And yeah, they, they, Sammy chucks Darby in the ring, ding, ding, ding. And then we get five minutes of just insane stuff. Yeah. Uh, another slight botch, actually. Sammy went to do a, a double foot stomp off the top rope onto Darby on the apron, caught his foot on the ropes again and, and sort of just landed full force on Derby. Uh, Spanish fly off the top I was going to say, that Spanish fly, because this is what I thought you were going to talk about. When Sammy jumped up, he totally lost his balance. Yeah. But it's also got incredible balance and agility that he... What, I mean, this could have easily... If this was Sabu, he would have completely fallen over. Mm. But he just jumped up there and was like, whoa, I'm okay. Spanish fly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, th I thought he took it badly. I thought he landed on his shoulder. I'm surprised it didn't pop out. But uh, yeah, it was still still really impressive. But Sammy tried to expose the turnbuckle. Darby flipped him into it. Coffin drop for the win. Just a five minute match, plus all the stuff that went on outside. Incredible match. Yeah, really, I really liked it. Love, love, love Darby Allen. And like that pop he got when he came out. Like he really feels like he is on the precipice of being a legit main eventer. Maybe Moxley invites him. I was going to They ask, had that sort of match earlier on. That's what I was, when someone asked earlier, I was going to say maybe Darby Allen could be the next in line. Um, at that point, by the way, I was like, well, tough act to follow. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder what's next. Yeah. Oh, only the one of the, honestly, and I've had, you know, two nights kind of to sleep on this now. It's one of the best matches I've ever seen. This definitely my yeah. favorite match of the year. Oh, one yeah, one hundred percent is my favorite match of the year. Um, yeah, this was Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus the Young Bucks for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Just an incredible video package to start this off. Just where like I, I just we've talked about this on the the AEW reviews, the, the weekly reviews a lot, where it's like you can see everyone's point of view. No one's really wrong. No one's really right. But you've got the Bucks there being like, we thought we'd be champions. And JR just keeps hammering this home. I think they're the best tag team in the world. They should be the champions. It just brilliantly recapped the story. And then it closed with this amazing, I'm guessing this was on the road to uh, Revolution, where the interviewer asked Kenny in the sort of sit down with him and Hangman, being like, are you concerned about Hangman at all? And Hangman just goes, sort of questions that. Just like, and then just then goes off on one and gets up to leave. And he's like, no, I, was, I mean, I was going to say that I'm, I'm not. But maybe I should be. Mm. And that, oh man, and that just, every single thing that they've done in the lead up to this match weighed off to perfection in this match. And not just the build. Like we're talking four or five years of interconnected elite storyline stuff in New Japan, Bullet Club, Ring of Honor, the AEW era. All of that plays into this. We saw a Marty Skell reference. Oh, yeah. Where Hangman Page did the super kick. No, just kidding. And then a full-on chicken wing. Yeah. Huge pop to the, on the crowd. Doing the little dance and everything. There was my favourite spot of the year, tied with another spot in this match, where the Bucks did the Golden Lovers... The knee. What's that? I can't remember. It's got a name, but it's effectively a Bushi's yeah. knee finish, but two people do it. The Kamagoi? Kam Kamagoi? Yeah, yeah. And they did that on Omega. They used... What, what an insult to use that move on Omega, who loves Ibushi, but they've been separated by circumstance. You know, they're like Romeo and Juliet. And they use it on him, and they pin him, and he kicks out at one. <laughs> I, Don't try New Japan and New Japaner. I jumped out of my seat. 
I, I, I struggled to take notes in this because I was just so, and I, I struggled to take notes, and I've written nearly two pages worth of yeah, notes yeah. because there's so a lot in capitals. And a lot, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've just got like, oh my god, because yeah. it was, I was enraptured by this, really enraptured, and there were moments like that when I was like, stop taking notes, I need to jump up out of my seat, and and you know really take this moment in this and then we're like, right, what did I just see? And I've got to write it down quickly because another sp amazing spot's mm. gonna happen in mm. a minute. It was just, just nuts. And I loved, like everyone was great in this match, but my MVP was Matt, was Matt Jackson, because I loved his frustrations throughout this match. Mm. Like I loved when Hangman was just beating the crap out of Nick and he just tossed Nick into the corner and was like, tag him in. Because he wants Matt, he wants to face off against Matt Jackson. And there was a part in this where Matt Jackson was ordering Nick to do stuff that Nick didn't really look like he was comfortable doing. <sighs> but he was like yelling at him. There was one point where he was like, get your ass up, get your out, we're gonna do this now. And Nick would be like, oh, yeah, okay, I, I kind of guess. And there was a moment then when Matt realized what he had done that he then sold brilliantly because I think Nick was like, we, look at what we're doing. The four of them just did every single thing in this to absolute perfection. This was the greatest bit of pro wrestling this year. It was wonderful stuff. And you might be thinking, but wait a second. One, wasn't the Bucks and Omega on quite a good page? So that was pun not intended. Uh, before this, and, and now we're talking about Matt telling Nick to do stuff and these, you know, using insulting moves on Kenny Omega. How did we get to that? I'll tell you, through 25 minutes, of just extraordinary non-verbal storytelling. Yeah. Where you're watching this story unfold and these character tensions arise and thaw and clash through wrestling. Yeah. The art form of wrestling. This is as close to a sort of narrative art that you can get with this, this, yeah, this, this medium, I guess. And it was also really helped by the fact you had Excalibur doing commentary, mm. who has been with these four people on mm. this journey as well. Because there was a point when, prior to like Matt sort of flipping out at Nick and kind of ordering him around, Kenny and Paige were working over his back because they know that's his weak spot, is working over his back. And you've got Excalibur on commentary saying like, when they were in Japan, they, like Matt and Nick, sorry, Nick, Omega and Paige, they were the people that were putting the ice packs on Matt because he couldn't really get out of bed mm. and he couldn't do it himself. And then saying like, they were all part of the same faction wow. and in Japan, you have to travel in the same bus as your faction. So these guys have all, they've traveled all over together. So they do know each other incredibly well. And it, I, I love the way Excalibur was talking about Matt's back of being like, it's kind of a dick move for you to go after that because you know that's the weak spot, but also it's kind of a smart thing to do. And that just fuels Matt even further to be like, you dicks you know that hurts like you yeah. know that's my weak spot and you targeted that for cheap moves yeah and it, it, so it all kind of started with Paige spinning at matt oh. because omega and matt had like a sort of respectful shake hands exchange then Paige just like no <laughs> yeah, and that yeah like we go from there to like it getting more and more aggressive between Paige and matt to, to that bit where they're, they're break they're going for the back and then sort of in answer to that there's this wonderful five minute stretch where the Bucks keep throwing Omega out the ring because yeah. they just want to work on Paige. They just want to be that Paige. That's who their problem's with. They, Omega's kind of this guy just caught in the middle. And I don't think I've ever seen a match where a heel, a team are working heel on one tag partner and face on another. Other, yeah. Just, just mind blowing stuff. But then you get to the, the part where They've, Matt's had enough and they start ripping the tape yeah. off of Omega's shoulder after that pack match earlier in the week. Which ties into Paige's, like, you know, they were putting this over in commentary. Paige's, you know, got to be thinking, why would you put yourself through that 30 minutes of hell? Exactly. Three days before our title defense. And it just, it basically, he had a target on himself mm -hmm. that the Bucks didn't go for initially. But then after a while, we're like, well, you know, if you're going to go after the back, then I guess we'll target your shoulder. Every single detail had at least two or three different interpretations and bits of context. It was so, so layered. And when I watched the match, I thought it went on two finishes too long. Andy very eloquently called it the return of the king. <laughs> because there were, two, there, there were two emotional high points, but they went on a couple of minutes more. But looking back on it and the story they told, 
I think they did the right thing. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. I was going to say, yeah, I didn't think that. That there was a reason behind every false finish. It were Omega hit the one-winged angel. Well, he, he tried to hit it, but he oh. couldn't. And it was Paige that hit the one-winged angel. Yeah, but then Nick broke it up. And the story there was Omega, his shoulder couldn't hit the one-winged angel. Um, but then, th then it all builds up to Paige being like, well, I won these tag belts by myself, which is what happened on the boat show. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retain them by myself. And it was Paige who just took out both members of the Young Bucks and won. Yeah. And then we got the post-match. Which has my other favourite <laughs> side. So, I might even like this one more. I think I might do as well, because the Bucks want a handshake. And after a little while, Kenny goes, yeah, okay, you know, and he, he fist bumps them and they give the, the, the hug. But Paige is quite noticeably keeping mm. his distance. And he walks away. He gets outside the ring and he puts the title belt down and he grabs the ropes as if he's about to do the buckshot onto Kenny. Not like he is positioning himself to do it. He just puts his hands in that position that he would do. And Kenny's facing the other way and then Kenny turns around and they lock eyes and Paige just stops and he just opens up the ropes for Kenny to walk out and Tony Giovanni Oh, this was so good. Tony Schiavone was like, I think he's setting up. He didn't say the words, but he was like, I think he's setting up. And then when he opened the ropes, he was like, oh, there must be my eyes playing tricks on me. I was, I was clearly writing stuff <laughs> in my head there. Because it could be seen as he thought about doing it and changed his mind, or he was never going to do it at all. And he was just there to open up the ropes. Put the belt down there. He now. put the belt down. <laughs> <I know. laughs> It was the belt down. That's what I oh, love about it. It's <laughs> just an incredible moment. And we talk about uh, this a lot because it is, it is a device that is used in wrestling angles. And that's one of dramatic irony, that you have a character in front of you who doesn't know something's about to happen to them, but you as the viewer or audience do. And you had that moment. Yeah. You had when Omega had his back turned. Uh, Paige is setting up the, or maybe he wasn't. Maybe. <laughs> and then you're kind of, it's this remarkable switch of perspective and meaning when Omega sees it, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. So now you're like, as, as a viewer, that, that experience of disorientation and catching you out, like, you're a voyeur. You know, it's just, there's a lot of, a lot of perception theory going on here. Just it's, to, to analyze and just, what was that? Four seconds? Yeah. And the, the Omega is a good acting. <laughs> Page is a good acting. And they, they are good acting. They do the right faces. Yeah. They say the right words. Yeah, yeah. Flawless. It was, yeah, just exceptional. If you haven't seen this match, this is the one you really need to go out of your way to watch. And just... Like, and then go back and watch the entire catalogue of this. Of just, like, <laughs> from when this storyline started you know, two weeks, three weeks before they won the belts and just watch it week to week to week to build to this point. It is a fantastic story that has been so well told. It's my favorite thing in wrestling right now. And it's not done yet. It's not, no, nowhere close. Yeah, because did you go for Page and Omega to I retain? I went for Page and Omega Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, yeah, what happens now? I, I, I don't think you can turn Page heel. No, He's gotten yeah. so over as a babyface. Yeah. This has been... Did, like, compare where Paige was last August. He was pushed beyond his means. And yeah, it, although everyone likes him, it is a bit like, oh, yeah. I want to... We'll talk about that more in the next match. <laughs> it, it's... And he was in the you know the inaugural championship match. And now we're here and he's probably the most over guy in the company not named Orange Cassidy. Yeah. I just five out of five. Say they say has just said in the comments masterpiece. Yes, and that is that is an absolutely perfect word to describe this. Mm. I I'm so excited for Wednesday's show. I'm so excited for Dynamite this Wednesday because I I want to see what happens next in this story. I'm so excited. And you got to think the Bucks, Omega and Page. This is that you know C Cody's got his vision of what wrestling is, and it's mostly eighties. Mid-Atlantic, whatever. It's angles. the stuff that Dusty was doing. Yeah, which is great. I like. I hey. thought that. I thought that was my favourite kind too. Last year, that was the story of Cody's yeah. '80s matches, right? Uh, where he had like a few five-star matches. My top five was pretty much three Cody matches. But th now I've seen this. I'm like, 
oh no, this, this is what I like. This is like, this is a very modern, like Cody's got the nostalgia 80s style back to basics storytelling perfectly. But, but what Omega, Bucks and Paige have done is Marvel. Yeah. Right, it's like highbrow MCU. And it's when you look up and down this card, and when, so you kind of review it, it's one of the reasons why this show was so great and so enjoyable to watch, is that every match did have a different flavor to it. This wasn't mm. the same flavor of ice cream over and over again. You had what you could argue was like, almost like the WWE match of Hager and Dustin. No using that as yeah. a derogatory term, it's just like that was almost like the style That's that it was. Style. You had the, the brawling aspect and sort of like the, the crazy high-flying flippy stuff of Sammy and... More hardcore, I'd more, say. And hardcore, yeah. yeah, of Sammy and Darby. Then you had this tag match, which was just the best tag team wrestling with its most incredible story. <laughs> the the Nihilist Outlander match is the only outlier here because I don't really know what it is with the mm. women's division at the moment. Then you had the 80s stuff of, Kenny and, of uh, Cody and MJF. Then you had the comedy of Pac and Omega. And then the main event wrestling of, uh, of Moxley Jericho. Every match had its own unique taste. And it flew by because of it. Oh man. Because you're just changing it up every time. Yeah, it was about what, like three and a half hours this show? Yeah, with the, with the pre-show. And it flew by. So here, obviously this is the only down point of the, of the show. Nyla Rose taking on Chris Statlander. Uh, they didn't have a story. They didn't have a context going in. Their characters were. Nyla Rose only just won the belt, which is a good sign. That was a great bit, yeah. but they haven't really done anything with it since. Chris Statlander's coming off flu. Don't know how healthy she was here. She failed a kip up really early on. The crowd was so polite. Everyone wanted this match to be good, but they were exhausted by the emotion and drama and tension of the previous tag match. Yeah. In hindsight, I think Pac and Cassidy probably should have gone here. Exactly my thoughts. I don't know if that would have worked, though. Yeah. They get the, there was such a good... You know, we're talking about a once-in-a-generation match. I'm hoping we get more of them, but I, just, <laughs> I haven't seen anything like that before. Uh, twice in a generation. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't know if whatever came afterwards would have been a dead spot. But I think, yeah, having a comedy match, the proven... <laughs> Just mega heat that Cassidy gets. Yeah, I think that's that's the only way you could have worked around this. Yeah, because the crowd. Yeah, as you said, polite is a is a good way to put this because I don't they did die, but they were trying to get themselves into this match. But it it didn't have a yeah as you say it didn't have a story. They don't really have characters or well defined characters. They mm. have been given characters, but they're not like characters we've really explored on TV in the same way that we have other storylines yeah. that are going on in this show. And because of that, it was, you know, eight, ten minutes. And it was it was there. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was just, it was there. And, uh, and you know, we said this on the last Thursday show. I really hope that there's, there's a plan in place that we have got a storyline that runs from revolution to double or nothing that has got all the intricacies that we've seen in every other division all the stuff with the guys has got all of this written throughout, but it's just the women's division hasn't. Mm -hmm. So it needs that same care and attention given to it so that people, by the time we get to double or nothing, that women's title match is one that people are massively, massively into. I totally agree, totally agree. Yeah, they accidentally did a toilet break here. Yeah, they did. <laughs> but it's, it's not really Rose or Statlander's fault. It really it isn't. The, the match placement. Uh, and just the general booking of the women's division. Nyla Rose won with a, a, a quite a sloppy second rope powerbomb. They were out of position. Yeah, it was quite a lot of sloppy stuff in yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, but MJF versus Cody came up after that. I've got to be honest, I was still recovering. Yeah. And MJF, uh, sorry, Cody's entrance, he had a band playing. Yeah. It wasn't the best version. It was the band that does the Yeah, song. but it just didn't sound that good. I mean, it sounded exactly the same as, like, when I hear the song, I'm like, mm. oh, you know, it's, but it's not like a live performance of it enhances the song. It's just yes. like, that is, just, that is how the song sounds, and they have done that very well. Um, I think my problem was is that that song was way longer than the entrance. Mm. So, like, Cody was in the ring and was posing on the turnbuckle. That band had, like, three more choruses that they wanted to play, and they were going to play them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Cody just sort of had to stand there for a <laughs> while while whoever it was... Um, down something, um, finished up their song. 
Cody came out with Stephen Amell. Yeah, yeah. All, all in sort of Cody tracksuits. I really like that presentation. Dustin was there. Was it QT Marshall? QT Marshall was out Brandy with Brandy Arn, of course. And we're going to talk about it. His new tattoo. I didn't know it was real. <laughs> I thought... <laughs> I thought this was something that he had done because it was a pay-per-view show and was like, yeah, I'll have this new bit of, not ink, I thought it was like a temporary thing that I'll just have on my neck for this pay-per-view show because it's a big time show and I'm really invested in this storyline. Never at any point did I think, that is a brand new tattoo. Because if, had I known, I'd have been like, oh, Cody, that was an error. You thought it was AR, <laughs> on his neck yeah. at all times. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't like it. I don't hate it like everyone else seems to. I saw someone say, because Bruce Mitchell um, of PW Torch gave this a 10 out of 10 show. Mm -hmm. And like he very rarely does that. I think there's been, there's four pay-per-views in the, in the history of him covering wrestling where he's given 10 out of 10 wow. shows to. Like, uh, I think one of them was WrestleMania X7. Yep. Um, so like, you know, it's a 10 out of 10 show for him. Someone commented saying, like, I couldn't give it a, a flawless victory because I couldn't get past Cody's neck tattoo. It totally took me out of the match. And it didn't get to that extent because after a while, I didn't even see that it was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only now that I've come into the office and we've been talking about it and I've discovered that it's real. Where I'm like, oh, man, it is a bit, a bit pants, though. Sometimes having a great year, a great 2019, maybe it just... He thought he could do no wrong, <laughs> and he thought, this is a good idea. And, but Brandy's gone on record. She doesn't like it either. She yeah. told him no. And he's like, nah, nah, I've got this one. I've been proven right a lot. <laughs> <laughs> People said that me versus Dustin wouldn't work either. I've got a, I've got a wrestling promotion. Uh, but anyway, let's go through this match. MJF, very good heel, throws a beer at a fan of ringside, <laughs> yeah. which is very funny. And it's mostly... Um, and it, yeah, just normal stuff. No, nothing thrilling in ring. It was more based around the details of before. MJF kept working over Cody's shoulder, but then switched mid-match to the, the foot because Cody had a broken toe yeah. from the moonsault on uh, two weeks ago. So I just I don't get why you just so, work over the foot from the start. Well, Excalibur said that if you've not seen MJF before, he has got a submission that he does, which is on the arm. It's called Salt of the Earth. So he was going for Salt of the Earth, which he locks in at one point, but Cody got out of the ropes. Mm. And it was at that point then he switched from the arm to oh, okay. the foot. That is a good story then, that's nice. Um, but the, the world low interference on the outside, uh, what quite a few points. So Brandy, Brandy comes round, but Arn chases him off with a chair. Cody goes to sort of save Brandy at one point. Everyone moves. He kicks Arn Anderson in the chest. Yep. Arn's like, he didn't sell it like a referee. He was just like, oh, God, I've been kicked in the chest. Uh, MJF, low blow. Yeah, Cody kicks out of the double crossroads. I, I really did enjoy this match. It's just, it, 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 on the level of other Cody matches, yeah, that's it, was, exactly it was markedly down. Yeah, when you compare this to the Jericho match, the Darby Allen match, the Dustin match, I don't think this was on that same level. The Sammy Guevara match. The Sammy Guevara yeah. match. And yet... It still was absolutely fantastic wrestling. Mm. Um, I, I particularly like the moment when he got the weight belt and he whipped MJF oh. with it. And the referee was like, come on, mate, you can't do that. And Cody was like, was like oh, come on. <laughs> come on. Come on. He's, he's a bit of a dickler, isn't he? Yeah. Like, yeah, he did that with me. And the referee was like, all right, fine, you can do one more. Yeah, so yeah. he whipped him one more time and then threw the belt <laughs> out. I thought that was really good. Yeah. I, I particularly liked MJF in this match. I thought his constant bailing to the outside was very good. Very good, effective heel stuff to the point when he won with, as I quite rightly predicted, with the diamond ring. Um, use that to uh, knock him out and get the win. I think it's a, a, the smartest move to give MJF the win here because what awful, awful... Oh, an awful time for Cody that what he had to go through to get this match and the record books will show he did not win I thought they smartly protected everyone though because Cody had the match won he hit one crossroads picked him up yeah. hit another crossroads picked him up and you're like you could probably win now mate but and that on the third crossroads attempt that's when MJF hits him with the diamond ring so and, and earlier in the match Cody picks up MJF's shoulder. Yeah. He's like, no, I'm going to keep beating him up. So it's almost like Cody 
Cody wasn't beaten, he lost the match himself. Yeah, and that, yeah. that's such a lovely way to, to protect baby faces. I think it works perfectly fine. Yeah. Uh, and just, yeah, Cody walks out on his own feet. Crowd can't chant Cody. Yeah, JR asks, who could have called that? And I've written here, me. I called it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the co-main event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so after the... Rose Statlander match, I thought to myself, okay, so yeah, that, that makes sense now. We've got two more matches left. We've got Cody and MJF and the, the main event. And I've forgotten about Pac versus Orange Cassidy, even though they'd ran down the card at the start of this show. So when this graphic came up again, and they showed the highlights from AEW Dark and Dynamite, and I was like, oh, well, of course, this is the most excited I am for any match that's on this show. And the, there were three brilliant players in this match. Those were Orange Cassidy, Pac, and the crowd. This crowd, actually four, because the commentary team was ace as well. This crowd ate up every single thing these two lads did. It was it, in, in the same way. And this, this was a genuinely good match. Yeah, really, right? Yeah, it <laughs> really not, was. We're not just like sitting around going, ah, it was fun, ironic comedy. No, this was a genuinely good match. Yeah. Uh, but really, like, I don't know. <laughs> Four and a half is the number that springs <laughs> yeah, to mind, which yeah. sounds crazy. Uh, but the the crowd start chanting "Holy S Word" yeah. before they've even locked up. It's the, by far the biggest pop of the night, bigger than Omega, bigger than Darby. Just Orange Cassidy being there. He's never wrestled a match, yeah. and he's this over. And every he's doing everything you're told not to do. Yeah. He's exposing the business. He's but making fun of wrestling. But is he, I don't, he's not exposing the business, it's the though. the genius of it. That's, what it, that's it. I, he's not exposing the business because no one treats his offense when he is in, like, full casting mode. He's doing the, oh, oh, like the super kicks. No one's selling it. People are looking at me like, what are you doing? They sell the moves when he does a big wrestling move. Yeah. But the whole Orange Cassidy act is to psych out your opponent and make them think you're soft and not take you seriously. And then you, big, you bust out these big twilting, tilt-a-whirl DDTs and all this sort of stuff. So then they and go hands like, in your hands in your pockets and you're running around the ring. And they're like, what the hell is happening to you? <laughs> but my favorite, and I could not stop laughing at this. Pac sets him up for the black arrow. And Orange Cassidy rolls to the other side. So Pac gets down and he goes up top to hit the black arrow and Cassidy rolls. And he like rolls out the ring. And, so slowly. And, and Pac throws him back into the ring. He goes up for a third time. Cassidy starts log rolling again. So Pac gets down, walks round to the side to wait for him to get there. And Cassidy just gets there, looks at him, <laughs> sees him, and he just starts laughing. And then Pac's like, <laughs> starts yeah, applauding yeah. it as well. And, that's, and they used that then to distract Pac so he could run wild on him. Mm. It was a brilliant bit of just comedy wrestling around character work. Inspired booking as yeah. well. Who would have thought that... And I, I get what you're saying, like Orange Cassidy's whole shtick is, is mental mind games. I, and I agree, but you know, if you just sort of step back outside of the AEW bubble... It is a joke of wrestling. Like his, the whole gimmick is a joke it's a about comedy wrestling. Act. Yeah, but it's it's a comedy act about the nature of wrestling. I that's what I see it as. Okay, that's interesting. So so to put, but it you, I, I wish you would see it as laziness. Yeah, but but it's also look how weak this. You know, wrestling is fake offense. Mm. It's it's simulated offense, and this what he's doing is exposing that. And making fun of it. I've never, never seen it that way. I, I'm not saying I don't like that. I think no, no, it's no, really, no. really intelligent. I'm not, I'm not saying you're not. I've just, I've never, oh, okay. it. I've, I've never read it as it's making fun of how of fake wrestling. I thought it was just his gimmick is, you know, he's ways in at whatever. He's built yeah. from wherever. You know, comes down to the ring with title belt and a backpack because he just doesn't really care. Yeah, I'm seeing if anyone else is. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. That's that's what I've already got. From, uh, always got from. Yeah, it. King but of Softstyle. But to put him against someone so serious, someone who's been so well protected on the AEW roster. You know, he's beaten Omega. This is this is not a comedy act that Pac does. He's always about business, business, business. And to and for, for whatever reason, it was absolutely electric. And when Pac broke, he corpsed a bit. Yeah. <laughs> 
because the crowd were just going nuts. <laughs> it felt like I've always thought there must be a way to do what I love in indie shows and the comedy wrestling there and do it on a big stage. And it, the, the, something must translate if you did it right. Mm -hmm. But it's never, I've never seen it happen. Not because it can't work, but because no one's ever done it. And seeing, seeing this match, it just made me sit back and go, they've done it. They've nailed it. <laughs> Absolutely nailed it. And it's, what's great about Orange Cassidy as well, and I, you know, credit to AEW for this, they didn't just put him out there straight away. Mm. They, you know, he's been signed with them since, you know, pretty early doors. You know, he was at the Double or Nothing pay-per-view and then signed shortly after that. So we're coming up to almost a year of him being in the company. This is his first match. And, I mean, the, the I suppose the inkling, like the, the, the overall feeling now would be like, he's so over, you've got to put him out every week. But doing it every week overexposes it. Yes. The best thing to do now is not have another match for six to eight months and then you do the next Orange Cassidy mm -hmm. match. Yeah. Because and the, what's crazy about that is he didn't win. Pack beat him. But everyone will still be like, I can't wait for the next Orange Cassidy mm. match. Yeah, yeah. And they, 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 they even protected Cassidy in defeat because the Lucha Bros ran down, beat up the best friends, that kind of distracted Cassidy, and Pack hit a low blow, didn't he? And yeah. then the Brutalizer. So Cassidy, Orange Cassidy, is protected in defeat against Pack. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, that was the right decision. Yeah. Pack should have cheated to win this match because you've got something with Cassidy now. But it'll be interesting to see how... It, this joke has lasted longer than I thought possible. I'm, I'm stunned that it's working so effectively. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So hopefully it can keep going after... You know, because we're now in the in-ring era of Cassidy. <laughs> How long does that part of the joke work for? Yeah. I hope forever, because it was fantastic. Yeah, well, that was the show. Uh, what would you have scored it? Five out of five. Yep. A strong five out of five. A strong, strong five out of five. I d just, and it's got one of my favorite matches of all time, and the, ca and the Moxie title change. I just, the, the Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen match. That's it. It's, there's only one match on this show that I could have done without, and it was neither of their fault. Mm -hmm. Absolutely had nothing to do with Rose or Statlander. It's just the way that this company has sort of fumbled their women's division since October last year. And so aside from that slight downer, this was an absolutely yeah. perfect floor of the show. Absolutely um, amazing stuff. Yeah, well, uh, Jose Quinde said uh, twice, Super One-Winged Angel was teased. Just saying. Yeah. Does yeah, he ever hit one? I'm not, I don't like know. Like uh, off the turnbuckle. Well, I mean, no one's uh, ever been, like, you know, no one's died from it, so mm. uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, Zachary Jenkins says, Broserweight versus Omega and Page, five stars. Yes, that would be good. It really would be. Uh, Jobber JJ, Ollie Davis's number one fan, said, Orange Cassidy should always be the main event. Mm. Uh, Jamie Donovan says, hey guys, greetings from Glasgow. Watched Revolution last night, five-star show. Match of the night at, my, match of the night for me had to be Bucks and Omega, sorry, Bucks versus Omega and Page. Very good at speaking me. Uh, was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Watch you guys every day. Love you all. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you, you very much. And it was a very generous uh, super chat from you as well. Uh, Bobby Stevens said, Mock said he doesn't care what Cody said. If he runs through the roster and that's all that's left is Cody, he's fighting him for the title. Thoughts? Sorry, so that super chats have malfunctioned. A lot of people are super chatting in. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not appearing in the chat. Mm. Sorry, what was that question? So that was um, Moxie said he doesn't care uh, what Cody said. If he runs through the roster and all that's left is Cody, he's going to fight him for the title. Thoughts? Uh, yeah, maybe that's one way to get to Cody. That could be quite a good way of doing it. Um, I think Cody shouldn't be challenging for the title for at least a couple of years. Though. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, Carlo says, guys, let's be honest, Cody Cody is a heel playing a face. Oh, I don't get that at all. No, I couldn't, yeah. No, couldn't he's a disagree. face playing a face. 100, he is like pure yeah. face as well. That's what's so remarkable, uh, remarkable about his character these days. Yeah, uh, and Jobber JJ is in again saying, uh, from wherever, weighing in, Whatever, <laughs> they're quite the kickoff. Them smiling at each other broke me. I was on the floor dying with laughter. A hundred stars. A hundred, all the stars. Wrestle Talk Rebel, now live. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.